Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation. It's First and Ten. It is your weekly go-to for Raiders news and analysis and commentary. Before we get to our great co-host, Sam Gordon, um, who is also a member of the Vegas Nation team, just want to let everybody know that Vegas Nation podcasts, all of them, uh, are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death, which, um, you know, the, the, the Raiders have been... Pouring some liquid death uh, on a couple of opponents now. Late in games, Sam Gordon. Two straight weeks, two walk-off overtime wins uh, where I thought there was actually complimentary football offensively and defensively. Uh, star players stepping up, you know, in, in Devontae Adams last week, uh, Max Crosby, and of course, Josh Jacobs. Um, it's just... You know, uh, I don't know if it's if it's too late, you know, to make anything of this season. Uh, but but the Raiders are seemingly trending in the right direction, and it sure helps uh, the narrative um, and the feelings in that locker room when you can start closing out games and getting rewarded for that effort with W's rather than uh, having to sulk back to the locker room with disappointing losses. Vinny on the road uh, at Seattle, uh, good Seattle team, right? The Seattle team in the thick of a, a playoff push. Uh, in the NFC, both in the NFC West and in the wild card um, race. One of the toughest places to play uh, in the NFL. And lo and behold, the Raiders come back from behind, uh, get a game-tying touchdown in the fourth quarter, and of course win in spectacular fashion uh, in overtime. That's not a win they need to apologize for one bit when you're trying to build something. And of course, we hadn't seen that over the first several weeks, right? And I have been critical on this podcast and in our my columns uh, in the Review Journal. I've been critical of what the Raiders were trying to build. Uh, this is the kind of response. I mean, it, I don't think it gets any better than that, given where they were at two weeks ago to have the the big win in Denver and a not to not. I mean, after you play in altitude on the road in overtime, you're doing extra, you know, you're putting extra mileage on in those situations to come back and, and, and to go on a road and to show the kind of fight they did after an early turnover, falling behind late. Uh, really a signature win, I, I think, for the Raiders this season, regardless how the rest of their year goes. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily, like you said, it's a little late in the game to maybe expect anything big picture, but we'll see. This is nonetheless something to build on when you talk about the culture that Josh McDaniels has been trying to establish, uh, the way that this Raider team wants to play. I, I think you nailed it. Complimentary football on both sides uh, of the ball, timely plays on offense, timely plays on defense, situational football, stars starring, and, and then role players doing their thing as well and contributing on both sides of the ball. So all things considered, uh, for, for what this Raider team has been through this year and for everything the season hasn't been, uh, I think the victory on Sunday shows you uh, what this thing could be, what the vision was coming into the season, and then doing it on the road against a really good football team. Uh, of, again, a playoff, a team in the mix of a playoff push with a quarterback that had, quite frankly, been playing as well as any quarterback uh, in the NFL this season. To do that, to have a win like that uh, is, like you said, I think I think big for the locker room and big for the culture uh, moving forward as they as they look hot to, to, to finish the season. Yeah, uh, without without uh, question, and um, you know, I'm a proponent. I don't care what the situation is. I, I hate to play to lose. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and and even contemplate or let that you know negative energy uh, in in through the window uh, because it's hard to push that back out when you become somebody that 
oh, well, the season's over uh, because somebody decided that it's over because they're not happy with where the record is at this point. Uh, let's just mail it in and play for next year and play for a higher draft pick. No, um, especially when you're just starting out like uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and, and, and this crew are. You're trying to plant the seeds for something special uh, down the road, and it takes time sometimes, and you can't be deterred by – um, you know, frustrating results uh, early uh, in, in the tenure. You want to uh, see, you want to give everybody a chance um, to, to prove that they belong, that they're part of the longer journey and not just the shorter journey. Um, there's an offense that you're trying to instill. There's habits that you're trying to create. So there's a lot of merit, even at this point, in playing this thing out to the finish line, wherever it gets them uh, in terms of this season, um, it gets them, you know, and yeah. we're not under no illusions that this is a playoff team or anything like that. It, you know, they shot themselves in the foot and put themselves in this predicament. But when you think about wherever it could get them, you know, through this finish line or wherever that lands, you're also talking about creating momentum and positive feelings and getting a better read on your team moving forward. And, and this is a process. This is not a one year deal. You have to think along those lines. Yeah, I'm with you, Vinny. I'm with you. And I think that's that's kind of, I mean, you want to compete. You want to continue, like you said, to build positive momentum and also build winning winning habits. And that the Raiders hadn't done that early on. It's never too late in this season to build winning habits, to build a winning culture. I, it's The Raiders aren't in the position of a Houston where there's not a ton, where it's, you know, clearly not a, there's not a ton of talent on the roster. It's a younger team where you, you kind of knew what you were getting into going into the season. There were veteran players on this roster. There are superstars in the primes of their respective careers. They're go, they are going to want to perform at a high level and win and really try and establish uh, something here. So so to build those habits, to, to get wins like that, whatever they may mean for, for this particular season, no, it's, it's something uh, that I think particularly this group, given how the season started, can draw from and needs to draw from. Uh, moving forward here as, as as we get into December, right? I mean, it feels like just yesterday we were starting. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that we're already um, in December. But lo and behold, we are two-thirds um, through the NFL season. Two-thirds of the season is done. The Raiders are where they are. But but they some of the issues that we saw earlier in the year, situational football, they have become better. They've been better at that the last couple of weeks. I mean, defensively, wasn't a perfect effort by any means. Don't think we're going to see that at any time this year. But you got you know, there were plays made by, from defenders on all three levels throughout the course of the game. You got timely production out of your defense when you had to have a play, when you had to have a stop. Um, you got it defensively, and then offensively, your superstars have been superstars this year. Josh Jacobs, I think Vinny is worth. I mean, where can we start? I mean, he's <laughs> right. putting this is a historic season for the franchise. One of the better. Se- I mean, he's looking at there are possibilities here if he stays healthy, going over two thousand yards from scrimmage. And just playing as well as anybody in the NFL, same can be said for Devontae Adams, same can be said for Max Crosby. So given how things started, uh, the, the coaching staff, the front office, the leaders in the locker room, uh, there, there's nothing I mean, there's nothing wrong, wrong with them feeling good about a victory at this point in the season. You're supposed to feel good right? if you're the Raiders. You're supposed to want to continue to build something um, not only for the rest of the season, but moving forward. And wins like that show, they reflect, hey – uh, some of the principles that are being taught here and are being established, look, they can work. And that yeah. had been the case early on, but you're seeing that now. And it's a credit to the coaching staff and a credit to the players uh, for not for, for, for finishing and continuing to play uh, and wanting to finish and execute at a high level, uh, even though the stakes may have changed a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's a couple of – you touched on a couple of things that I want to uh, um, kind of dig a little bit deeper into. Timeliness. Um, all right, so the defense, I'm writing a story today, literally, about how – 
defense statistically is not very good. You know, they're giving up, I think, the sixth most points in the NFL. They're tied for the least amount of sacks. They've got the second fewest turnovers, forced turnovers. It doesn't look good statistically. And it's going to be a little – that's a work in progress. In order for that unit to be relied upon um, in, a, in, a, in a major way is going to take an infusion of talent. And that's not going to happen, or that process isn't going to start to happen until next offseason. There's some pieces to move forward with, without question. But in terms of really elevating uh, that group from a talent perspective, that's a process that's going to start next offseason. So you have to work with what you have right now. You can't just give up. And you have to figure out a way to still be able to um, be an asset this year. And I thought that in that game um, on Sunday against Seattle, two, two drives you know, uh, really jump off the page to me. And it goes to your timeliness, um, what you're talking about, which I think is spot on. All right, it's 34-34. I, I want to say about a minute 43 after the Raiders scored the game-winning, game-tying touchdown on the on the touchdown pass by Foster Murrow. Plenty of time, you yep. know, Seahawks uh, to go um, and, and try to kick a field goal. That's all they needed was uh, to, to win the game, maybe a touchdown, whatever they could get in a minute 43. They get the, so they they have that situation that they're facing, and then in overtime, after the Raiders miss a field goal on their opening possession, uh, give the Seahawks pretty good field position yeah, to work with, needing just a field goal. So so that's those are the two uh, situations. What happens? Ten total yards that the Raiders give up uh, on those possessions. They did it a couple of different ways. One. Um, they got more aggressive uh, on the on the perimeter with their cornerbacks lining up almost face to face, nose to nose, with the wide receivers on, on a handful of those plays uh, because they understood you can't give them cushion. They just need a few yards, not a few yards, but you know, a one big chunk yard play. Um, you know, uh, you can't afford to give up those yards because all they needed is a field goal. They needed to do their job, and Sam Webb, um, Rocky Sin. And Amik Robertson all delivered in those moments, okay? And then you have Max Crosby, all right? And on third down in both of those drives, the first one, he just bull rushes uh, a rookie right tackle um, for (laughs) Lucas Abraham. Uh, or was it Abraham Lucas? I'm, I'm, uh, uh, The Washington State tackle just bull rushes this dude right up into the lap of Geno Smith sheds uh, the rookie and takes Smith to the ground punt. That's what that, that's how that drive ended. The next time around uh, they bring in Noah Fant to chip uh, Max Crosby on the, on the, on the ensuing third down on that next drive that we're talking about uh, to kind of push him wide back into the rookie tackle and, you know, try to try to eliminate him from the equation in that way. So they changed it up. What does Max do? puts on the speed burner and gets past both guys uh, on his way to Geno Smith. Doesn't get the sack, but darn near gets the sack and really, you know, uh, 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 you know, forces Smith into just throwing an errant pass, another punt. Two drives, Sam, that the defense, which as we can both agree is not very good statistically, delivers when they needed to deliver. Situational football, Vinny. I mean, situate close games so often – um, come down to who's better, who can make a play in a key situation. In the key, and and look, there, there's some drives, some situations carry more weight than others. That's just kind of the way it is in the NFL, right? Not all drives are are, are equal, statistically sure. Uh, but but you there there's definitely money time. A lot of these games are, are close in the NFL in general. The Raiders, as we can see, have been in a number of close games. 
throughout the course of the season and earlier in the season, they weren't making those kinds of plays on either side of the ball. So now to get, especially when your defense has struggled, the offense, all things considered, has been the better better side, the better unit this year. I don't think there's any denying that. That's Top not a secret 10 offense in the NFL. Yep, absolutely. But defensively, to get to, to, to get key plays in key situations when the pass rush, when, when we're getting after the passer has been an issue uh, at times, when when corners when the when the secondary has struggled uh, to be able to stay sticky and allow enough time for Max Crosby uh, to get home in big spots, it, it speaks to the improvement. It speaks to the adjustments. Uh, it, it speaks at some level to the adjustments that, that Patrick Graham has made, right? This is the unit you have. You might have to get a little bit more aggressive uh, at, at times. And, and then, of course, big-time players – um, just making big-time plays in big-time spots. Vinny, I, I think I'd be remiss if, if we didn't talk a little bit about uh, the Defensive Player of the Year campaign that Max Crosby's mounting. I'm not saying he's necessarily the front-runner. I, I don't necessarily expect him to win it. But from an individual standpoint, he leads the NFL in tackles for loss, and he's in the top three or four in sacks with 10.5. 17 tackles for loss, 10.5 sacks. He's dominant against the run. He's dominant against the pass, and that's doing it. Um, while you're getting a lot of the, a lot of the attention because of some of the struggles they've had uh, with with the supporting cast around Max Crosby, so he, he's been absolutely fantastic. You, you talk about the last two games on the road in hostile environments at Denver, at Seattle. He plays a hundred percent of the defensive snaps uh, in both games. Uh, just kind of speaks to the level of conditioning and then just the want to the effort that he plays with. This is something that definitely distinguishes him and sets him apart. So. Uh, he's he he has been the anchor the last couple of weeks, and, and and his teammates, the, the role players on that defense, have stepped up around him. And you're getting timely playmaking, which in the NFL, because like you said, Vinny, it's an offensive league. Teams are going to move the ball. There are good quarterbacks, there are good receivers, there are good coaches on that side of the ball. You're going to move the ball. Teams are going to score. Can you get the stops when you need to? Uh, and the Raiders, the last couple of weeks, have proven at least at this juncture that hey, they can do it from time to time. Now it's that time of the show where we are joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casino. Chuck, of course, joins us every week here on First and Ten to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, first and foremost, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing good, Sam. It's just, uh, it just was a busy uh, Thanksgiving, I think, because everybody probably uh, spent time with their families, and there was some great football played. Sunday was kind of bad beat Sunday for both sides of the counter, uh, which we can talk about. And this Sunday coming up, there's a few, you know, really great marquee games highlighted by kind of Dolphins, 49ers and Chiefs Bengals. Yeah, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about this last week here. Baltimore, of course, can't quite get it done. Tampa, Tennessee, Seattle, uh, the Bears, uh, a bunch of teams um, not, you know, fail to take care of business. Um, what, what, how did things work out, um, on your side of the counter with, with everything that happened? Yeah, it was kind of a crazy week, Sam. I think, you know, looking at Thursday first Thanksgiving, um, did kind of well with the two big underdogs covering in the early game, that late touchdown by the giants caused that game to go over, which had some liability going into the late game and, uh, Vikings and over in the late game was worst case scenario. So pretty much kind of everything we were up early in the day, we gave back late. Uh, as I mentioned, Sunday, Kind of bad beat Sunday. I mean, uh, you know, from our side of it, we clearly were Jags and Browns fans. Didn't look like we were going to get there with the Ravens and the Bucks. We get the win in both games, the outright win. Two other games, Atlanta-Washington, where, you know, we needed Atlanta to score at the end of the game. They had a first and goal on the one through an interception. And then the San Francisco-New Orleans game, which was the biggest decision of the day, Sam. We were minus nine and a half, or San Francisco was minus nine and a half. So we were getting nine and a half points. San Francisco only wins 13-0, 
and we can't get the cover. A missed field goal and 11 plays, 11 plays from inside the 10, and the Saints end up empty-handed. And uh, the other side of the counter, our guest cash. So kind of bad beat Sunday, as I said, for both sides. Yeah, it's not something you necessarily see every day. But, of course, we regroup here and look ahead towards Week 13. Chuck, a huge Week 13 in the NFL. This is December. This is where we see who the contenders are. And this is where, of course, we have a lot of big matchups, I think, starting right away with Thursday, uh, the Patriots. Uh, giving uh, getting four and a half at home against the Buffalo Bills, total 43 and a half. Uh, the first meeting uh, between these two AFC East rivals uh, this season. We remember how the last one went in, in, in the playoffs. I think New England kind of at their last gasp. If they're going to make a postseason push, they have to get it done. And Buffalo, uh, not quite the same Buffalo team the last few weeks that we've seen early on. Is this a, a, an opportunity uh, for them to, to get their mojo back? A fascinating matchup that starts week, week 13 off with a bang. It really is, Sam, because it means so much to both teams. A loss here by the Bills, and I think it really hurts them uh, trying to get that number one seed in the AFC. As we've chatted about in previous you know, weeks and, and shows, is that if everything has to go through Orchard Park and that weather in Buffalo and, and Bills Mafia, I think it changes everything in the AFC. If Buffalo isn't that number one seed, it opens it up for everybody else. In the Patriots' case, being six and five, they have to win here. You're at home. If you could go to seven and five, knowing that there's still some question marks with the Jets, and the Bills would then be eight and four, knowing that Miami plays at San Francisco, it really opens up the entire AFC East. I think a loss here is going to be very difficult for the Patriots to make the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Super competitive there. Uh, of course, in the AFC, one of the teams you just mentioned, the New York Jets. Maybe, look, maybe, just maybe they found a quarterback. Mike White, sensational uh, on Sunday against the Bears. Vikings, uh, three-point favorites, giving three to the visiting Jets. Total 45 uh, and a half. I was a little surprised, Chuck, that this was only um, three. What does that say about where the Jets are at, or does that say more about the Vikings and where they're at? I think it says that the, the Jets are – are with Mike White a much better team. We know they've got good skill position players. We know they've got a great defense. I think the big matchup in this game, Sam, has got to be Justin Jefferson against Sauce Gardner. I mean, yep. you've got a, one of the, the best young corners in the league um, going against one of the best young wideouts in the league. Um, Vikings are really good. Uh, they, they, you know, they're not getting the respect, I think, that, that maybe they should with a record of 9-2 um, and two to the second spot in the NFC. Big game for the Jets, but this game's going to be fun to watch. And Mike White really got, you know, Elijah Moore and, and you know, and Wilson and all their young wideouts kind of involved in the offense a lot more. So uh, I think Mike White, should it should be his job to lose. If I was Robert Sala, I wouldn't even mention a quarterback controversy. It is Mike White's job. He performed so much better, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, than anything Zach Wilson has done this year. I think it's Mike White's team the rest of the year. Absolutely. And let's not forget he had a 400 yard game last year against the Cincinnati Bengals as well in a victory. Chuck, one I want to one, one I want to touch on very quickly, NFC East matchup, two teams that seem to be trending in opposite directions. The Giants at home getting two and a half against the commanders that look like they found a groove with Taylor Heineke at quarterback total 40.5. Uh the commanders, Chuck, um, Really didn't see this coming, but lo and behold, they put something together quite uh, despite what they're going through off the field. Uh, do you see this as I do as two teams trending in different directions at this juncture in the season? 
I absolutely do, Sam. I mean, this is the first meeting of two. The uh, scheduling clerk, they scheduling quirk. They both play late. Um, they're two games in the season. The Giants have so many injuries right now on both sides of the ball. It looks like they might get their young stud tight end, Daniel Bellinger, back here. Commanders, though, if you think about the entire NFC, only one team right now is streaking better than the Commanders. Commanders have won three straight, and that's the San Francisco 49ers, who you can make a case are in the top four in the entire league right now. So it's a Commanders team that has really turned it around of late. All four NFC East teams currently sit in playoff spots, but that, of course, is going to change after this weekend. Early action has been against the Giants, as we've seen this number tick up a full point from what we posted it at on Monday morning. Yeah, it feels like the Giants, uh, they're, they're, they're what they were able to do well early in the season. A lot of running the ball, a lot of Daniel Jones options is getting a little bit more predictable now that we're into December. Moving on, I uh, want to touch on the home team quickly, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, getting a point and a half against the Chargers, uh, who are coming off of a huge win uh, at the Horn against the Arizona Cardinals. Total 51 feels about right. A lot of offense with these two teams, two unpredictable teams that have a knack for playing in close games. Yeah, I think you look at the Chargers, Sam, um, that was a gamble that Brandon Staley uh, did late in that game to go for two because a loss there, they're below 500. And, you know, I know we've talked about a couple of coaches, if it's Hackett or Kingsbury, whose seat's a little hot. I would have had to imagine at five and six, that seat in, in L.A. would be getting really hot. They're still the team to me that doesn't have a true home field advantage in any game. Um, I think you look at the Raiders, hey, it's one game at a time now. You're four and seven. You've won two games in a row in overtime. Last year, you beat the Chargers here week 17 in an epic game, maybe one of the best games of the entire year. I think you just take one game at a time. We've seen this number drop a full point, Sam. So although the Raiders fans have, or the Raiders betters, I should say, have let the Raiders go the last couple of weeks, first two weeks, we saw higher ticket counts against the Raiders. I think they're going to be backing them in this game against the Chargers. Absolutely. These two teams always seem to play close games that go right down to the wire. Last one, Chuck, before we let you get out of here. Uh, my favorite matchup of the week, a rematch of the AFC championship game. Of course, these two teams played a classic game at the end of the regular season last year, too. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chiefs giving two and a half in Cincinnati. Chiefs, of course, now favored to win the Super Bowl. Total 53 Chuck, if there's there is one team that that can knock off Kansas City, or if there's a couple teams, it feels to me like Cincinnati is in the small class to do it. They've done it before. They have a prolific offense, and of course, they're going to be getting Jamar Chase back uh, on Sunday. It looks like so we could see a lot of points on Sunday with two uh, of the best quarterbacks. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and jo uh, and Joe Burrow right up there as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sam. I think this Bengal team, when they're healthy, um, with, with Joe Mixon and, and Chase and uh, and, and Higgins, they are really a dangerous team with Joe Burrow. Um, I think you look at the Chiefs now, who sit in the number one spot, five and one at home, four and one away. Maybe their offense hasn't been quite as dynamic as it was with Tyreek Hill, but they're still a really good team. They know that Buffalo owns tiebreakers against them, so it's important to continue to win. I think the Cincinnati team is playing well outside of what the Dolphins and Chiefs have done on five-game winning streaks. Next team with the longest winning streak in the AFC is Cincinnati, who has won three in a row. So I think it's a great matchup. And real quick, too, I think that Dolphin 49er interconference matchup is just tremendous, too, Absolutely. for these two teams that are kind of streaking in the right direction. 
Absolutely, absolutely. The Kyle Shanahan and, of course, his protege, Mike McDaniel, two prolific offenses that do a lot of the same stuff but do it very differently. Chuck, we always appreciate your insight and expertise. It is a loaded, loaded slate of games this week. Great matchups all over the NFL as we separate the contenders from the pretenders. Looking forward to recapping it all with you next week. All right, Sam. Sounds great. Enjoy the games and uh, look forward to it. Locals know the SCN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas, so download the SCN Sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Kind of crazy, you know, coming in, not knowing if I was going to play, um, you know, uh, looking the guys in their eyes, telling them, you know, that they're going to get everything they got out of me. Um, you know, they wanted, they didn't want me to finish the game, uh, but, you know, I kind of convinced them that, you know, I, I could go. Um, and, you know, biggest play of the game happened after that. I noticed that half of the defense was looking at Matt because he didn't know what he was doing on, on the play, lining up. Uh, and I was just telling him, he was like, what's the possible, bro? Just line up. And then, you know, when I hit the gap, I seen y'all, I seen y'all get a big block. You know what I'm saying? I seen blo- y'all get a big block, and I just seen a big hole, and I just try to run as fast as I can. Uh, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, uh, fantastic game, historic game. Uh, caps it off with an 86-yard touchdown run uh, to walk it off. Um, second straight week uh, in overtime. Star players doing star players uh, things. Devontae yep. Adams with a long touchdown pass uh, the week before to beat the Broncos. But here's what I want to say about the Josh Jacobs uh, long touchdown run. First of all, there aren't any more superlatives that I could really find or use uh, to describe what Josh Jacobs uh, is doing. He's just having a phenomenal year. It was a phenomenal effort on Sunday. Um, this is a guy that, you know, um, I was texting throughout Sunday morning. Is he playing? Is he playing? Is he playing? No, 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 no. You know, like it was literally, it was, it was chancy there <laughs> up until about an hour and a half or so before the game, um, whether he was going to play or not. That's a real injury that he's dealing with, and there was real concern that he wasn't going to play. Still comes out and delivers a performance for the ages. But I got to say this. uh, You you hear a lot, um, especially around here with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler with their Patriots background. What do you hear so much? Just do your job, right? How many times have we heard, just do your job? It goes back to their Patriots days. Um, I want everybody, whoever's listening, go find the uh, the video um, of the the 86 yard touchdown run by Josh Jacobs. I know I've watched it probably 25 times at this point. Sam Gordon, um, as whatever higher source is up there, is my witness. That is a true. I mean, that is the epitome of everybody just doing their job. All 11 players, starting with the quarterback who checked into that play, saw the situation correctly uh, in terms of where the safety was lined up, said, this is a run. we got to run the ball here, which that's what he checked into, right? So it started there. 
And then everybody else um, does their job at a very high level. Okay. And, and the reason I say that is because if you watch that video, if you watch that play, any, if, if, if even just one person, just one guy doesn't do their job, that's either no gain or maybe an eight yard gain or a six yard gain. You know, um, it's not designed to go to the house necessarily. And you always account for, you know, somebody might miss a block or not do their, their, their job at the highest level. Well, in this case, everybody did their job. I'm talking about the tight end, Foster Moreau, Jermaine Illuminar, uh, the right tackle, Jakob Johnson, which is a devastating block on the linebacker lined up as, as a fullback, you know, Alex Spars. Uh, the, the the guard. Everybody does their job. Mac Hollins downfield uh, making a block. Josh Jacobs making people miss on on his run. So it shows what it might sound like a cliche. Oh, there they go again talking about you know just do your job. But everybody did their job, and it turned what was you know one of the easiest kind of vanilla plays ever in the sport of football into an eighty six yard touchdown to win the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, Vinny. Uh, I think you nailed it. This was the most complete performance on both sides of the ball, the most do-your-job performance that the Raiders have had um, all season, all season. I think, and I'm glad you brought up um, the offensive line because I think the offensive line deserves a massive amount of credit. I mean, anytime you're able to put up that many points, you have a 200-yard rusher, you have a quarterback that's able to lead a game-tying drive – that is able to go down the field in crunch time. They kept him clean. Uh, he was able to, to have a clean pocket and step in the throws and get the ball where it needed to go. A couple really impressive throws and big drives um, by Derek Carr. I mean, like you said, everybody everybody does their job. And then you have when you have a, a running back like Josh Jacobs having the season that he's having with what he showed and just the explosiveness and the vision and all the things he showed this year. Uh, he he does the rest. So it it, it was a it was a it was a I guess like a poetic ending for for the Raiders given how well. Um, they had to play situationally on both sides of the ball in big spots. On Again, I don't want to belabor this, but I think it matters. On the road against a Seattle team that had been playing really good football throughout the course of the season. So uh, that was – it was it, you can't draw it up uh, any better, better than that. And when you have your, your, your running back, uh, the 86-yard run, the longest run by anybody in the NFL this season. He's got 1,159 yards, averaging more than 100 yards a game on pace like we, t- like we touched on for more than 2,000 – Yards from scrimmage, Vinny, uh, he, he gets to be the beneficiary uh, of that. And, the, of course, ultimately the Raiders the beneficiary of that as well. So that's – I mean, that's that's football, right? When you execute, you're not going to – that doesn't mean you're going to get 86-yard touchdown runs every single time. But when everybody does do their job, it gives you a chance to pop a play like that. And and, and, and lo and behold, the Raiders pop uh, the biggest play of their season uh, so far. And, and you get to feel good about yourself. Uh, after after playing that well and having a victory like that. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, I don't want to give uh, something away, but sources have told me that Sam Gordon might be working on a story that kind of dives into um, what it might take um, and what a path might look like uh, moving forward uh, to making sure Josh Jacobs uh, stays right here in, in Las Vegas. We all know that the Raiders didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Um, I don't think it ever – there's no sense that I've ever gotten talking to anybody that I've talked to that it was closing the door on Josh Jacobs. That's kind of unlike a Cleef Farrell and uh, a Jonathan Abram who's no longer uh, here anymore. A couple of guys where it was like very, very unlikely that they were going to be here beyond uh, this year. Josh Jacobs is a whole other situation. I think, um, you know, they they didn't shut any doors, um, but it, it definitely put Josh 
kind of, um, you know, uh, under the gun to really show that, hey, I, I want to be here. I deserve to be here. I should be here. So now the Raiders, um, and with every passing game, uh, the, the dollar sign probably goes up a little bit more for, for what Josh Jacobs is going to be, what it's going to cost to keep Josh Jacobs here. Now, I, I, you know, I think I hear rumors out there that Sam's going to be writing a story about that. So keep an eye on uh, uh, for that coming up this weekend. But I want to talk to you about that, uh, Sam, because, you know, um, I think if, if you look at past history and, you know, you're talking about Dave Ziegler again and Josh McDaniels coming from the Patriots uh, system, um, there isn't a lot of history of them, you know, uh, breaking the bank necessarily to re-sign a running back, right? Um, they just, that's that's kind of, it seems like their philosophy is is against that. And there's no right or wrong way um, in handling this. People see things differently and, and, and they approach positional spending differently. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's sort of what they have shown in the past. But I got to propose this to you. If you're, if you're Mark Davis and you're the owner, don't you, you know, sit your, your guys down here and say, look, normally I would defer to you. You guys, I hired you to run this football team. I understand that you have a philosophy. Um, and if there's any kind of at this point, any sort of, gosh, I don't know if we should pay him that much or I don't know if we should, you know, get, get locked up into a running back, you know, for that long, for that amount of money, whatever the case might be. Doesn't Mark Davis, don't you feel like Mark Davis kind of sits these guys down and says, I'll, de- I'll defer to you guys on 99.9% of, of the decisions. But on this one, I want 28 to stay right here. So let's make this work. Well, I mean, you're talking about a player right now, Josh Jacobs, Vinny, that even though he's, you know, a veteran player at this point, he's still only 24 years of age. He's gone over 1,000 yards. This is the third time in, in, in four years. He's been relatively healthy, 13 games, a rookie, 15, and second-year player, 15 last year. He's played all 11 this year, right? Uh, he comes in the best shape of his career. That I think that's reflected. Uh, he's looks. He's never looked faster. He's among the league leaders, and he might be the you know the might be the league leader in in yards after contact. It's, he's way up there. If he's not the league leader, he's close. Uh, he's one of the most physical runners in the league. He's shown breakaway speed. He's catching the ball at a more efficient rate ever than before. Forty receptions on forty eight targets. Uh, you'll take that all day. Uh, a, a true three down back. Uh, a true workhorse in an era where where you don't have that anymore. And he might put up. Uh, a historical season in terms of Raiders history, right? He's on the, like I've mentioned a few times, he's on pace for more than 2000 yards. If, if to your point, I I can't see ownership just letting a a burgeoning superstar at his position, just walk away. If he has a two, like a 2000 yard season, I just, I just can't see that happening. And, And like you said, a lot of different philosophies, with how to build a team, and, and traditionally, I have been of the viewpoint that you, you can you can do running back by committee and find value uh, at the running back position. But at the same time, given Josh Jacobs' age, given what he's meant to the franchise this season, and, and how important he's been, and the way he's been able to produce, and what he's showed, and how he's matured as a player, and the growth and development you've seen, given with the sense that I do believe he's one of the favorite player, you know, fan favorite player with the franchise. Uh, for obvious reasons, his production and, and, and of course, his personality um, outside of that uh, as well. It feels like it feels like there is a, a sweet spot that the Raiders could come to with Josh Jacobs that keeps him uh, in the silver and black uh, for, for a, a longer period of time. It, it just feels like um, that makes sense. He's an ascending player in this league. I, I think 
yes, this is about you know quarterback play in the in the NFL. That's what it's about in so many um, so many different ways. But we've seen different teams this year and, and even more recently uh, win with the running game. Win with the running game being a big part of the offense is still an asset. Uh, and as Josh Jacobs has proven, and other running backs have proven, the Derrick Henrys of the world, Saquon Barkley taking on a big workload for a Giants team that's pretty good. Uh, there's still value at the running back position. St- they, they can still help you winning, win games. The, in, there is um, a difference in talent between certain players, and, and Josh Jacobs has proven to be one of the most talented players uh, at his position in the NFL. Yeah, and, and doesn't he kind of stand for everything that this organization is trying to stand for? He shows up to work. He's a professional. Um, he's great in the community. He's great in the locker room, obviously. He, he leads uh, not just – uh, vocally, because he's one of the uh, more talkative uh, and vocal players on the team, but also by example and how he works and how he plays. I mean, this is—he seems like a poster kid or a poster, uh, you know, child for exactly what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels want to build here. And I just, you know, I wonder a from the fan base's perspective. You know, Raider Nation uh, is is all in on Josh, uh, uh, you know, Jacobs at this point. And imagine the letdown from the fans after the year that he's had if they just let him walk, number one. But I would also think that in the locker room, that would be one of those moves where you're like, seriously? Like, like you could do everything right. You can be this tremendous player and just this, you know, uh, everything that you're asking us to be. And you're not going to, um, you know, pony up to keep him. I, I, I just think it would be sending the wrong message. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You can't. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Josh Jacobs, but he's very good chance, right? Health permitting, of course, uh, that that he is a first team All Pro this year. Like, for, that's that's is the highest honor that you can have. Um, is it? Oh, there's only one MVP. There's only one Offensive Player of the Year. There's only one Defensive Player of the Year. But there are 22 first team All Pros. That is the highest distinguishment that you can have as an NFL player. And he is in the driver's seat for the one of those spots. Uh, at the running back position, and 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 has has not. I mean, yes, the Raiders are four and seven, but it's not because of what Josh Jacobs is or isn't doing. He's been as as good as any player uh, in the NFL this year at their respective uh, position. He's leading the league uh, in yards from scrimmage. He might go over two thousand, and those are the kind of players you that that you want to keep. And 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 I think again, and I'll touch on some of this in the in the story on Sunday, but there are a lot of um, talented running backs in free agency. So it could be it'll be really interesting to see kind of how the market shakes out and what some of those price points look like and how the Raiders and Josh Jacobs can come to an agreement. Because he's been he's been fantastic this year. And, and, and again, from a, the messaging that it sends, uh, if you're the organization, you want to do right by players uh, that perform at the highest of levels and, and, and represent themselves the way Josh Jacobs has. So he's been he's been um, money this year. And he's you know going to see, whether it's from the Raiders or somebody else, he's going to see some money in the offseason. Yeah, yeah and, and, he, and he's earned it, man. He's definitely Absolutely. earned it. Um, all right, so uh, it's on to uh, – it seems like it's been forever since the Raiders played at home. Um, but they're back at home on Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. A key, key game. It's a, it's an interesting, um, you know, next eight or so days, nine days, uh, with the quick turnaround from the Chargers on Sunday to the Rams on Thursday. Um, but, boy, I'll tell you what, and this is how uh, I'm going to leave it off. If the Raiders can take care of business in these next two games, all right, uh, which would put them at six and seven. Um, I know it doesn't look great on paper, but man, it really puts them in position to potentially pull off something crazy uh, over the, the the last four games of the season. And lo and behold, it's right around the time they're going to start getting some major reinforcements potentially in Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. I think Nate Hobbs comes back uh, this week against the Chargers. So 
Um, you know, it, it's I'm, I'm I'm not saying I'm just saying if they can win these next two games, you know, it's it's it, it could set up a pretty interesting final uh, kick to the season. Well, the Chargers are as unpredictable. I mean, they're what are they six and five, Vinny? But they're as unpredictable as any team in the league. Or you never know what what kind of Chargers team you're going to see, and they've been banged up all year. So that's a that's a I think that's a coin flip game here at Allegiant Stadium. And then you look at the Rams. Uh, that on that'll be on a short week, but the I mean, who's they're, they're as bad as anybody right now. They are yeah. just dire straits, and that's the price I think in, in some ways of of going all in and winning a Super Bowl. And and, and you're going to take the Super Bowl all day, but in terms of what it means for the Raiders this season, it means there's a prime opportunity to go into SoFi Stadium. Um, and, and look, if you're you're right, it's it's at six and seven doesn't guarantee anything, but the, the Raiders are playing better, and it does. It would seem that there are opportunities here. I, I don't want to have the same conversation we've had before because then the, 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 we, we talk about the schedule and the Raiders go out there and underperform, but we've seen them back it up the last couple weeks and win close games and execute situationally. So clearly some things are working, some things are clicking, and if they can do that again and continue to do that, then you're going to be in some games and have some opportunities here, no doubt about it. Yep, and whatever happens, uh, we'll be here to talk about it. So I uh, just want to say thank you uh, to all of our listeners and all of our subscribers and supporters, our readers um, You know, at, at Vegas Nation. Uh, you're truly why we do this, and we appreciate the support. Uh, Sam Gordon, uh, thanks for all your hustle and all your great work. Can't wait to read uh, what you have to uh, write about uh, with Josh Jacobs um, over the weekend. Larry Muir, our great producer, uh, appreciate you always. Uh, thank you very, very much. Um, we will be back at it next week, same same time, same channel, uh, trying to figure out what happened in the Chargers game and moving forward to the Rams game. Take care, everybody. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today.